0: to being transformed by the renewing of our minds we do episodes about cultures ideologies church history doctrine testimonies and more so check us out on spotify google play apple Podcasts, or on the minnesota grace church app and website and make sure you subscribe so you can receive notifications when we post a new episode and make sure that you are following us on instagram at she's becoming podcast well i am your co-host delaney and i'm here in the studio with my co-host Bev.
1: hey delaney what a fun night. We're actually recording in the evening, which is unusual for us. And I know. You admitted to having coffee late afternoon.
0: I did, and I'm out past my bedtime, and it's 7.30. Oh, dear. So
1: I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm you okay. can do it. You okay. can do it. Come on. If I can do it at my age... <laughs> you can do You're it at cool. yours. You have way more of a life than me, so
0: let's not get that twisted. Okay, you do okay, way okay. okay. All
1: right, enough, okay, okay. enough. All right, we've got to talk about our guest. We have a guest in the studio this evening with us, Julie Wright. Julie is a wife to John, mom to three children, um, to three young women now. They're not children, are they? Yeah, yeah. yeah time has not stood still since I've seen you last. <laughs> she was part of Grace Church for many years, but has since moved and lives now in Colorado. Julie is an author, a speaker, Bible teacher, missions leader, and I must say she's had a heart for children around the world. Her passion is helping people embrace the healing love of God and cultivate an authentic relationship with Jesus. That's a beautiful life mm-hmm. goal right there, Julie. <laughs> Welcome, Julie. we like to start out with a question for our guests, and the question for you today is, what is God doing through you? And now, he's doing something through you in Colorado. Tell us.
2: Oh yeah. So I did grow up at Grace Church. I used to be like the longest standing staff person because I started in second grade. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, but we're in Colorado now. We have a retreat center and a camp called The Refuge. Okay. And So it's a small venue camp, six cabins and people who need recovery From trauma or caregiving and those, we let them come free. We run a nonprofit there. Mm. And then ministry leaders, ministry teams can come up and... So you're ministering to the leaders. Yes. ministering to
0: the ministers.
2: Yes. I love that. And after being in leadership, that's kind of, you know, we developed a heart for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the people who pour out need to be poured into,
1: right? or need
2: just a place of rest and restoration.
1: And to hear God's voice, you know, to get away in the mountains like that at a retreat where you'd feel safe and quiet and Mm -hmm. the rest and the solitude would be... Oh, it's sounding yeah. good to me, Julie. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Sounds Actually, really be still wonderful. And know yes. that I am God exactly.
2: is one of the key verses in our cabins. So I bet that's the idea. That's yeah. so awesome. And
1: yeah. more new stuff going on in your life. Uh, you have written a book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're here mm-hmm. to talk about this book that you've written. It's called Redeeming Eve. And uh, Julie, just share a little bit with us your journey. Um, in writing this book, um, and how you see your own life reflected in it.
2: Yeah, well, I started, actually, I taught Redeeming Eve I know the you first did. time here. here at You Grace. did, I Years remember. Years ago, mm-hmm. in what they call the J term, mm-hmm. it, I crammed all that content into four weeks. I'm not quite sure how that happened.
0: Uh-huh. The voice spirit.
2: <laughs> I know, yeah. We probably were like, oh, this is an hour lesson, and three hours <laughs> later, we were still yeah. doing it, but... Um Yeah, it really came out of my own journey as I started looking at the ideas of identity, influence, intimacy, and where I was getting my needs and my identity from. Mm. And it was part of my healing journey, but through the scripture, like the different things God was teaching me as I was studying women in the Bible. And so it's a pretty personal journey. The book mm. stays in the context of the different women and the lessons, but they were lessons that were forged yeah. in my own heart and, and in my own experience. And you
1: share that in the book, and yeah. I I really appreciated that that you were willing to be transparent of, yeah. you know, the mm-hmm. ha- hard places in your life, the losses in your life, sure, and how you know you you naturally respond, but yet you w- wanted to choose to respond as God would have you respond and yeah. to grow through it and not be stunted by it in your growth of a person.
0: And what a testimony to how God has used maybe pain that you've experienced or suffering into such a beautiful work
1: that can help other women, honestly. Absolutely, absolutely. When you read the book, you realize this author has been there. And that's not the usual case, Mm -hmm. honestly. You know, I read a lot of commentary and stuff, and it's very impersonal usually.
0: So we just got your book in the mail. Okay. And it's on my I need to read list. And when I was talking to Bev, she was like – read it next. It's your next book. Put oh. this at the top of your list. Yeah. She was like, I have read lots of books about this and lots of books about women, but she's like, she picked up on things that I totally, I totally missed. missed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just so you guys know, high praise coming mm-hmm. from Bev and Bev knows her stuff. So that's, that's high well, praise. Well, and I
1: know sweet Julie. Mm-hmm. So maybe that made it even more special, <laughs> you know, when you're yeah, reading that totally. and you know the author and I know the seat of some of those painful things in your life. So yeah, it yeah, was yeah. it was a beautiful thing to oh, to praise read. God. Praise God. Cuz that
2: was my intention mm-hmm. was if I can just kind of lay my heart bare, you know, right. and just kind of be real and raw with what God has taught me and the realities of those things that that's what helps people. Exactly totally. right. Yeah. And so,
1: nobody's spared those yeah. hard dark times yeah, in our life. Yeah. No one is. So no. we can all relate to that. We can't relate to the person that puts up a perfect front. We yeah. can't. And yeah. you really dig deep into the lives of these women. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. So oh, you, in your book, you do a teaching on the lives of seven women in the Bible, and you began with Eve. What is important about Eve for us to know as the basis for the rest of women? I like that you started with Eve as the first. Yeah, I do awesome. too. Yeah. I thought, what's there to yeah. write about her? Right. But boy,
1: a yeah.
2: lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, it kind of was like in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so as I started looking at some of the dynamics, some of the struggles that I was having in different areas, as God led me to the scripture into Eve, I just, I mean, again, each time I studied it, something new came out of it. But I just was like, look how God intended this relationship with himself, between the man and the woman, with creation, with their purpose. And I just saw this perfection you know, and their experience, literally, you know, a match made in heaven. Right. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. They live yeah. in the garden. There you go. And Eden meant the garden of pleasure and delight. You know, mm-hmm. I'm like, can I go there for a yeah, vacation? Please. It's coming,
1: yeah. Julie. It yeah.
2: is. It is coming. But I was like, it didn't really last long. Yeah. <laughs> you no. know, yeah. less than two chapters
1: or by chapter yeah. three. Yeah. We're in trouble <laughs> already. It
2: kind of comes off the rails. And I really wanted to look at what was the heart of the attack on the heart of Eve. And it really was to doubt God's love and his goodness, but to doubt his love for her, Mm. his character, he he cast doubt on God's word, he accused God's motives. And if he can, it's kind of the divide and conquer. Mm. If he can get us to divide ourselves from believing that God loves us, then we're set up for temptation, for oppression, and for dysfunction and sin and pain. Yeah. And everything that comes with it. Hmm. Are you seeing that like in
0: culture now, like as uh, like as just have have you just wrote this book? Mm-hmm. How are you seeing the influences of that, like in culture now?
2: That's a great question. And, you know, in culture, mm-hmm. <laughs> our culture is, you know, reeling in mm-hmm. some ways. But how far we have come from what God intended you know whether it's you know I was just doing a session on Bathsheba, mm-hmm. and talking about our human sexuality and stewarding our sexuality with purity, with integrity, with modesty, and it just dawned on me like just in that one area, you know, not to just dive right into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want we want to talk about her more too, but go ahead. Yeah, but um, you know, a. Writ- you know, you took sexual expression used to be in the context of marriage. Mm-hmm. and then we divorced like sexual intimacy from marriage
1: mm-hmm.
2: and said, if you just love each other,
1: right
2: And then we've divorced it from love and just said, well, if you're in a relationship, you don't have to love each other, you don't have to be married, but if you're in relationship. And I think recently we have divorced sexual intimacy from even relationship yeah. hookup. yeah, the hookup hook culture, culture mm-hmm. is like you don't even have to know somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no expectation of a relationship or dating. And that's just one area, an important area of our identity where culture has just sabotaged and just come against God's design. But you know, we're still people. Mm -hmm. People haven't changed. Women still want to be known, to be loved, to have relationship. And so these cultural things are doing the opposite of what we're created for, yeah,
0: and and, and what the, we desire. Well, and in yeah, the garden, yeah. you can see that that's what we were created for, which is also why I love how this relates to Eve too. Is like, yeah. you can see who she was created for and why, and yeah. just all the implications of that. You can see in Genesis one through two, so that's yeah. really cool. I love that,
1: and problem. and kind of your part of your title. It's not only redeeming Eve. You you title it when a woman lives loved. Yeah, mm-hmm. so. Eve did not live loved or doubted.
2: She was perfectly loved in the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she had the perfect marriage. You know, I mean, think of having a marriage without sin. Yeah, without your own insecurity, Mm -hmm. without his pride or shame. I mean, their initial relationship did was not tainted Mm -hmm. by sin. I mean, I think that's one of the things I'm really excited about with heaven is. You know, you're going to know me without sin. I'm going to be awesome. And so are you. Yeah, I'll be awesome too then, I'm sure. (laughs) Think of knowing the people in your life with none of that. Mm -hmm. No fear, no pride, no shame, no anger. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. But sin did destroy that. And so this idea when a woman lives loved is part of how God wants to redeem what got, got broken in the garden. What got broken, we were separated in our relationship with God. You know, fear, shame, blame, hiding were all immediate results of sin. Mm-hmm. And then the separation even between Adam and Eve, you know, he looks at her and says, the woman you gave me, yeah. you know, first she must fight. have been like, what happened to bone of my bones and flesh of yeah. my flesh? You yeah. know, now you're throwing me under the bus Yeah. with God yeah. saying this whole thing's my fault. You mm-hmm. know, I mean. And we've been reeling in a way ever since. Yeah. And then there was the curse, too. Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: Well, it is a good place to start when we start talking about our identity as a woman. We have to go back, don't we, to the yeah. beginning. Yeah. You know, talking about that perfect marriage, I really enjoyed how you described what being a helper or helpmate, helpmate to man involved. Can you share some of those points with our listeners?
2: Yeah, sure. It was really insightful as I dug into the two different words. I mean, again, you glean something new every time, but you know, sometimes I think I even rubbed against when I'd hear, "Oh, woman was created to be I would hear the helper to the man." Right. And in that, I kind of heard the help, you know. Right. Like, oh, the book, yeah. yeah. Like domestic serving, yeah. glorified babysitter, you know. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, well, uh, thank You bristle a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was created for just You know, nothing wrong with traditional roles, but I felt, I I knew it meant more than that. And so when I dug into it, it was so wonderful to see this idea first of help, what is the same word that it is for the Holy Spirit too, this coming alongside, this Mm. um, serving God's purposes to bring something to maturity Mm. so it flourishes. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's beautiful. And then the word meet. Meant to meet face to face, kind of eye to eye, heart to heart, to reflect back as a mirror. And that the relationship between a man and woman was meant to be this intimate, equal, united relationship. And one of the most beautiful things in the definition with this help meet that was suitable. For him, mm-hmm. was this idea that she that Eve was set before Adam, and this is a quote from the definition as the object of his affection and delight.
1: Oh mm. wow, who doesn't want to be that? I, know, I Sign I was, me up. <laughs> although I feel yeah. I am with my Paul. Yeah, <laughs> I bet yeah. you do too with your John. Yeah,
2: yeah. No, it's beautiful, but it's just like oh, to you know, the God's intention right. was this beautiful serving one another. That there wasn't deprivation, there wasn't dominance, there wasn't pride, there wasn't all the things that sin has creeped into those relationships and created pain and dysfunction yeah and I think I love that you brought that up because I also know people who
0: um, have read that helper means that men needed help and that we're then superior because we have to help them so I've also heard people use that definition that's a good one yeah yeah. boy I'm like it's interesting how we read into it like our own extreme like either right. like either like i am the help or you need me and i'm your helper and you couldn't do anything without like we read in <laughs> kind of like our i'm own. the helper yeah or you really need or help. you would be <laughs> yeah. really in a bummer situation yeah. but
2: yeah no, so. and there's a there's a mutuality in that there's just right. this you know i think words like partnership mm-hmm. cooperation mutual consideration you right. know just kind of yeah. and i know when i have when john and i my husband have kind of join forces and we're on the same team and we're both bringing our strengths Mm -hmm. to the table, things flourish. We're fruitful and Mm -hmm. things multiply. Mm -hmm. And when we get contentious or competitive or combative, everything just starts to fall apart, you know. So it's this oneness and this unity yeah, where there's, you really respect and serve each other. yeah, And it's really beautiful.
1: I, I, I have told my kids this, you know, when dad and I agree, we seldom make a wrong decision. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah. it's you have each other for that. That's your safeguard. That's your, um, your go-to person. And yeah. um, that mm. face-to-face idea is so beautiful there. Face-to-face. Yeah. Face. God wants you to succeed, you know. Yeah. He wants that um, relationship to strengthen you in following the Lord.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, let's let's talk about now um in your book you went into the two sisters who shared a husband,
2: Rachel
1: <laughs> and Leah. Oh boy, that's yeah, trouble. Uh, Dysfunction but, junction. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um
0: can you tell us about their story briefly and then just some truths um from your book that you wrote about? Yeah.
2: It? On the high level, I mean there's a lot a yeah. lot wow. in there. It's a
1: long story yeah, too. And it
2: really one. is. Mm-hmm. There's there's so much. So I encourage you to read the book cuz that's mm-hmm. one of my favorite chapters. On identity, but it really talks about identity based in rivalry Mm -hmm. and living from lack in labels. And so, you know, Rachel lives from what she doesn't have. She doesn't have Mm -hmm. children. She had everything else. She has a man who loves her. She's the beautiful one. She's wealthy, beautiful. It says she's shapely and formed. So she's, you know, got the whole thing, but she doesn't have children. And she lets the one thing she doesn't have. Rule her life and her goals, so she lives out of lack instead of out of gratitude. And Leah lives out of a label in what she
1: is not. Mm.
2: She was not loved by Jacob. Yeah,
1: says it it again and again in the scriptures, and over and over. And even
2: God saw that she was not Not loved. loved.
1: Mm -hmm. So it
2: wasn't that it wasn't true, but you know, one of the things I was thinking, I was like, is it true she was not loved? Period. And the answer is no. She was not loved by Jacob. True, I don't think she was well loved by her sister. Yeah, (laughs) I think her sister really dad. Dad. I was going to say the dad
1: kind of is a little bit of a villain in the story. I
2: know. I'm like, what was that conversation, (laughs) right? What in the world did the father say to her to get her to go along with this? But so she wasn't well loved by her father. Maybe he was well intentioned. Maybe not. Yeah. But she wasn't well loved by the people who were supposed to love her.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to sum that up.
2: And yet she was never unloved because she was Mm -hmm. always loved by God. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we have to look that we don't let other people, their acceptance or their rejection, we can't let what we have or don't have, we just cannot let those things determine our value And how we're going to live our life. If you live out of those wounds, you you just keep striving to get the thing you don't have or the thing you're not. And instead, we have to just forsake those and just say, God loves me. You know, and Leah at one time does kind of come to that point. With her fourth son, Mm -hmm. Judah. You know, the other sons, it was like, maybe my husband will love me now. At least I've done, you know, like she's trying to earn his love. She Mm -hmm. first steals love, then she tries to earn it, then she tries to buy it (laughs) as you go through the story. yeah. But with Judah, she said, this time I will praise the Lord. Mm -hmm. And she responded with gratitude. And, you know, one of the most important things I saw in that is when you come to that place of freedom— you know, where you know you're loved and you're secure with Christ, you have to guard it mm. because she gets re-ensnared in the baby race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, mm-hmm. she got rebated to live out of that brokenness again. But that moment, she lived and accepted Judah as from God. And, you know, out of all the sons, who was Jesus? Exactly. To? Was right. The say of Judah. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. That's yeah. no coincidence. Yeah. Wow! So it's a beautiful story. There's so much in it, but yeah. Okay, I see.
1: I see what you're saying, Bev. Already, yeah. I told you, she yeah. digs deep, dear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yep. wow. Yep. Yeah. But Rachel and Leah, I, I, I always thought Rachel never had the gratitude. She never, Mm-mm. she never was thankful for all that she did have. She, she had tunnel vision to what she didn't have. And yeah. boy, that is a path to misery. Yeah. Misery. Yeah.
2: And, you know, I was like, come on, Rachel. But, you know, I, God gave me a little compassion for her, too, because she did not sign up for this scenario.
1: No, neither you know, of them did. Rachel, yeah. yeah,
2: Rachel was like, I'm getting married to this man and going to live happily ever after. And her happily ever after just gets hijacked. Mm-hmm. And then she stuck with it. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of sometimes there's family situations or things happen that we didn't choose but what we can choose is our response. Exactly. Right. And she chose to to kind of get bitter, to live out of that resentment and just that that rivalry mm-hmm. instead of saying, you know, I mean they both could have made choices. Yeah. to try to neutralize
1: H- that. H- How do women live under that rivalry today? Cuz we're not, you know, in multiple marriages with one man. Hopefully. You know, yeah, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> Although we are some are not yeah. at this table, but yeah. that yeah. is
2: a thing. It is. In culture, but. Yeah. Or you can just think about just the multiple. Comparing yourself. But I think the pressure with comparison and social media and all those things, like. Well, you were saying it earlier when we were Mm kind of joking, but, you know, if you compare yourself and your life to other people's social media, Mm -hmm. it's like everyone else is permanently on vacation. Oh, no. Falling in love every day. I mean... Get new
1: clothes constantly. I I follow a couple of influencers on fashion, and honestly... Every other day, they've got a new box from Zara or somewhere. That, that influences
0: me too. I got to admit, I, I, yeah, yeah, they're, they're effective.
1: They, they're taking you shopping, is what they're doing.
2: Yeah, and it's not even real. You no, know? it's right. not real. So, I bet right. that all goes
1: back. Oh, well, totally.
2: And the joke where they say, "I wish I could just live the life I portray on Instagram." Mm. You know, oh, that's like, funny. I haven't life. heard that. <laughs> yeah, like it's like even if somebody looked at your life, mm-hmm. they see the highlight reel, and yeah. we don't realize we're comparing. Nobody shows, like, here's my mundane day. Yeah. You know, here I had no energy. I was unproductive. I mm-hmm. was unshowered. Yeah. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I fought with half the people in my life and I feel crappy or something. And yeah. we don't show those things. Yeah. I just so ate a bag of potato chips. Yeah. Darn. That comparison stuff yeah. really um, wreaks havoc it, 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 on our it, identity and our value. And it, and it takes us away
1: from gratitude. Yes. It totally takes us away for gratitude and gives us that tunnel vision again Mm -hmm. of what we don't have. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Esther.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: What an amazing woman. Yeah. She was a Jew. She was an orphan. She was raised by her uncle. She was King Xerxes' queen. Yeah. So, Julie, share with us some of her amazing qualities and how... How did you know she was living loved? Because it does, you know it d- doesn't say it doesn't anything about say God in, yeah. in the scripture and it doesn't say that she was loved, but you saw it and tell us about her and how you saw her living loved.
2: Yeah, that's a, it a, brings up a good point because how I viewed these women's stories were based on a couple principles. One is out of the heart the mouth speaks. So like Abigail, you learn a lot about what Abigail, what's in her heart, from what comes out of her mouth. truly, And this wonderful conversation with David Mm -hmm. we'll talk about. But also, you know, actions speak louder than words. We see what people do. We can assess things like that's the fruit of their life. And with Esther is really an example of that fruit. Mm -hmm. And then just knowing human nature, the nature of relationships, kind of reading between the lines at times and what they do and what they don't do but could have done. And that's one of the things we see with Esther. And, you know, the reason I chose her for identity was after doing Rachel and Leah with Lack and Labels, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, Esther had a lot of Lack and Labels. Mm-hmm. She was an orphan, she was a minority, she was an oppressed people group in a prejudiced culture. You know, she was also beautiful. So she had some, quote, positive
1: labels. But she had her life taken from her. She had yeah. no choice. Yeah. I mean, she was summoned into that role.
2: Yeah, and you think if Rachel and Leah lived with rivalry, Esther.
1: Oh, (laughs) that harem. What a a cat house, huh?
2: (laughs) (laughs) And not only the rivalry of the harem, but then she's put in a contest, which Mm -hmm. is like the bachelorette of, you know. Yeah, of ancient times. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And like it's all rivalry. Mm -hmm. And you really see her. She doesn't get baited into all those catty behaviors. You see her; she stays submitted to Mordecai mm-hmm. as her father figure. She submits to um, the man in charge right. um, at the palace, mm-hmm. and she sta- she just wins everybody over.
1: She yeah. was so she winsome. took advice too. You know, she yeah, took advice yeah. who, of the man who was in charge of the harem yeah. of how to approach the king, and she took his advice yeah. and she chose simplicity over. Yeah, you know, trying to make it happen. She was teachable.
2: Yeah, she's a
0: good example she's too humble. of someone who's so humble
1: but so bold at the same
0: time. Yeah, like I feel like you don't see that together a lot in mm-hmm. a, a person at all. Um, but like, man,
2: she, I, I at the, she was both
1: for at the such a time. time as I'm this. Like, how can you she be sure humble was.
0: and
2: bold? Yeah, yeah, and you see her dependency on the Lord because yeah. again, by what she does. Mm-hmm. So when tell this us what cris- she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when this crisis happens and they say you need to go to the king. And she's like, he hasn't summoned me. And if I show up in court, I mean, if he doesn't lower that scepter, they can kill me. Yeah. And her response to that was, pray and fast. Mm -hmm. And I will pray Mm -hmm. and fast too. So her first thing is she goes to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So again, we see this dependency. (coughs) Sorry, we see this dependency and this submission and surrender to the purposes of God. So we see she lives out of this uh, teachable surrender to the Lord, to the leadership in her life, and then she risks her life with the famous words, right? If I perish, I perish. Mm. But then in those, that prayer and fasting, you see that God really gives her a strategy for how to approach the king in a way that honors him and respects him and does not shame or embarrass him. And you know, you think about how she could have yeah. approached him. I mean, yeah, because he was part gonna... of
1: the trouble that the Jews were in. Yeah. You know, he had given his okay on that.
2: Yeah, I mean, she could have barged in there and been mm-hmm. like, you know, just made a scene, right? What were you thinking? I'm gonna die. My mm-hmm. people are gonna die. You know. You fool, or you, you know, something. And, of course, she doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. She could have also gone in just like a basket case, just like, I can't believe you did. You know, like, all the things. Like, sometimes we as women, I mean, okay, I guess I can't really say I've never done those strategies. But (laughs) have we ever, you know, tried to use our own emotion or our own criticism? To sway. Mm-hmm. or to shame somebody, yep. or to tell them they should have done something else. Oh, we've
1: got a tongue at times. I think women oh, have that we issue. Do. Mm-hmm. We do, mm-hmm. and
2: we can be very persuasive <laughs> with our emotions and all those yeah. things. And she just keeps all that in check, and she walks in and she asks him to a banquet. She honors him in the very way that the former queen dishonored him.
1: Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. Another example, Delaney. Dig deep. Yeah,
2: you know, I mean, the former queen didn't show up for the banquet, Mm -hmm. and then she invites him publicly to a banquet. Which is totally living out her womanhood, too. Yeah.
0: Affirming that he, like, that he's the king and that he's the leader, which is really awesome.
2: Yeah.
0: Wow. Mm -hmm. I did not think about it. My mind's kind of blown right now. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. So, I mean, it's just beautiful in how God uses her not only to save the Jewish people, but she ends up being put second in charge with her uncle Mordecai being given the signet ring. I mean, this little orphan girl ends up, you know, the ruler of the biggest nation on earth. I mean, it's just...
1: And there's Purim that celebrates... Esther, and little Mm -hmm. Jewish girls dress up like Esther every year as a festival of remembrance to her.
2: Yeah, that's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you, because that... Esther's always been my favorite. So I'm like, Aww. those insights are super awesome. But um, we, in our real faith, real works Bible study, have been um, doing Galatians. And we, since we're in Galatians, we've been talking a lot about Sarah and Abraham. Mm. So I love this next <laughs> question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, like one just, big yeah. story to yeah, another. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. really great. Um, yeah. So Sarah is a woman that most of us can definitely relate to um tired of waiting for a child she takes matters into her own hands what stood out to you about sarah's story
2: yeah a, well, a lot yeah <laughs> you know i used to have kind of this little side judgment of sarah like what were you thinking you know <laughs> mm-hmm. i'll just invite another woman into my marriage to have a baby for us and this is going to turn out you know yeah. yeah but when you look at it deeper i really have some compassion and respect for Sarah. Number one, she leaves her country, you know, to go to a land she doesn't know with no email, no attachment to home. And Abraham
1: didn't know either. No.
2: (laughs) I mean, that was a huge, she was a woman of faith. Mm -hmm. She went. Then she gets a promise. And I'm sure at first that promise was wonderful. You know, oh, God's going to bring us to a new land and then we're going to, have a family and he's going to
1: make it into a nation, you know, yay. All people on the earth will be blessed because of you. I mean, how grand of a promise is that?
2: Yeah. So she's, you know, I'm in, Yeah. you know, and off they go. And then this time between when the promise morphed into some form of pressure Mm. and we don't know how, but it's like, how often has my desire or dreams or even if I understand God to have spoken a promise to me or something, you know, maybe it's a vision of ministry or a family, and you're you're all gung-ho to be obedient. And then time passes and passes and passes. And after a while, somewhere along the way, I think that promise moved from something that was joyful to a pressure
1: or a burden or a hurt. Well said. Mm-hmm. You know,
2: I really was like...
1: God, you come on, you've compassion. said this, where, where are you? What, you yeah. know, it's got to, would, did she start to doubt God? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it be very, un, kind of undermines you when the weight is great.
2: Yeah. What do you do with a delayed dream,
1: mm-hmm. you know, or when
2: hope starts to turn into a hurt? And we don't know exactly her whole motive, but eventually we know the story. She moves into kind of this plan B moment Mm -hmm. and takes matters into her own hand to try to make her family what she wants it to be. I mean, there's a lot more in that, but for the sake of time. yeah. But, you know, I'm like, well, how often have I tried to make my family into something or fix a person Mm -hmm. or situation or just give God a little help? Right. You know, I mean, I have even heard myself say about, you know, God, you know, I think God wants to do this. I'm like, well, if he asks me, (laughs) <laughs> like God's yeah. asking me what to do. You we know? <laughs> take control. I'm like, wait, He doesn't yeah. ask me yeah. what to do. So yeah, we really see mm-hmm. in Sarah moving from trust to control, totally. And as soon as we take control and remove trusting God, I mean, we've moved into confusing our goals and desires, and moved into self direction instead of surrender.
1: Mm, I you love. Know? How about Abraham's role in that? He was such a willing. <laughs> servant for for Sarah's plan. Oh sure.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, you know. There's some something there some too with Abraham.
2: But you know, yeah. we'll save some of that for redeeming Adam <laughs> if we write another. Oh book. good,
1: I, but, I was going to ask you about yeah, that. Yeah. Well, we'll
2: see. You know. But one thing high level with Abraham is each time he doubted, you see him go to the Lord and ask for clarity. Three different times Abraham goes to God and asks kind of what's the deal here <laughs> you know and then god reaffirms the promise and mm-hmm. says a child coming yes. from your own body it's yes he kept spirit. clarifying it for you yeah him. Mm-hmm. and and so that was a healthy response yeah when abraham goes along with this um plan you know sarah or sarai at the moment but we'll mm-hmm. say sarah yeah. for simplicity's sake you know said the lord has kept me from having children So this is what you should do. And I think she kind of borrows from God's authority. I mean, it almost implies that, you know, she heard from God that this is the plan. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he made the mistake of just going along with it, Mm -hmm. which is the same mistake Adam made. Totally. He listened to his wife instead of listening Mm -hmm. to God first. Mm -hmm. And then later when Sarah tells him to send Ishmael and Hagar away, that time Abram went to the Lord and asked for clarity. He did. And then God did say, that's what you need to do, mm-hmm. set her free, you know. And so,
1: you know, there's there's so much to learn
2: <laughs> in these stories. Each one could be their own yeah, book. It, yeah, it, it
1: is, it's a long story, too. I mean, yeah. it's chapters and books, yeah. long, so it's you know, fascinating.
2: Yeah, one thing on Sarah that I just want to say at the end is I really loved how I saw the mercy of God at the end. You know, they make this mess, and one of the subtitles is When Mess Meets Mercy. Yes. And you see God still is faithful to his promise. And they have this tangled up, dysfunctional family from choices that were made. And God just kind of comes in and shows them how to disentangle Mm -hmm. from the mess they've made. And he still was faithful to both families. He was faithful to Hagar and Ishmael. Yes. You know, for Abraham's sake, he made them a great nation. She got to pick a wife for her son. She got to be a free woman and be a grandmother and a mother of nations. Yeah. Really, as free and blessed by God. And then God also restored Sarah and Abraham and their son Isaac to have their own nuclear family without all this other entanglement. Mm -hmm. So I really, there's times where I'm like, Lord, what do we do when we've made choices that are have created kind of a tangled family situation. And I love the the mercy in that to be like, it's not too complicated for God.
1: No, no. And I he's mean, a redeeming God. He is. And your book is Redeeming Eve. And, yeah. and we see, <laughs> yeah. you know, God yeah. redeeming Sarah yeah. in, in the situation that she really created.
2: Yeah. And his mercy in it, his gentleness, mm-hmm. and he's still faithful and good. I just love it. We need you know. to hear that. Yeah, we need we to do. hear that
1: because we all have really messed up in certain areas. Oh, sure. And we truly need redeeming uh, those circumstances where we have really turned the wrong way. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and he is able.
2: Yeah, and yeah. it was a relational mess, and God still helped them out of the relational mess, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, sometimes we don't make big other messes, but I think as women, relationships can be complicated. Yeah, even with know? one another. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. so
1: great. Well, let's move al- along to another one that I just really enjoy is Abigail. Um, what yeah. a wise woman. Mm-hmm. I would call her so wise. Yeah. So in this chapter, you define submission of a wife. And that was so excellent. I just hmm. loved how you were able to articulate that. So could you share some of her story and some about this submission that sometimes we bristle at a little bit, but you saw this here demonstrated in Abigail?
2: Yeah, so there's different parts or aspects, I think, of this biblical <coughs> excuse me, submission. And with Abigail, you know, the big question is, you know, it says she was married to an obnoxious drunk. Yeah. He was surly and mean. Mm-hmm. And those, the words for that are he was combative, he was rude. He His was name arrogant. even
1: meant it. Yeah. yeah.
2: I mean, it's, you know, it's all those names, you know, argumentative, disrespectful, a jerk, G- <laughs> you <yeah>. know, drunkard. <laughs> drunkard. I mean, nothing like you're like, selfish. oh, yay, this, oh, yeah, selfish. Let's sign me up, you know. Yeah. And how does she remain respectful and honoring in really different, difficult circumstances? And, you know, some people are like, well, she did something behind his back. Well, he was drunk. And one yeah. of the key things with Abigail is we always have a voice and we have a choice. Right. Yeah.
1: We have a voice and we have a choice, and she could choose her response. Tell Tell a little bit about the situation that Abigail found herself in when David came to to her husband and ask for something, uh, some yeah. which he was entitled uh, sure. according to customs of the day, yeah. and and uh, her husband turned David down, which offended David. Which yeah. David's yeah. Also on scary his way because
0: David's yeah. like, big-time yeah. like da- da- so David says, a big time warrior. Yeah. So David said, "You're a fool." Yeah. David says to
1: his men, "Strap on your swords." <laughs> yes. Yeah. And he was on a murderous journey.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Literally, kind of w- on the war path. Mm-hmm. He was coming to kill every male in that household. And you know we are not familiar again with the customer, the offense, but everybody else in the story was aware oh, yeah. oh, that yeah. this was Big. huge, yeah. And impending disaster. A disaster was coming. So Abigail hears about it. The servants trust her, and she—that was
1: interesting too. Yeah,
2: they really they knew her. They character. went to her,
1: not to the husband.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it says he was drunk. He was yeah. feasting. So she had the wisdom to not try to negotiate a response with her husband when he's drunk yeah, under the influence. I mean, so there's restraint, there's wisdom there, and she doesn't get all tangled up in his sin. Hmm. You know, I think she is respectful to her husband. She saves his life. She serves God's interests for her husband's life, her household, and David's, but In that, she never submits to the sin. Hmm. She doesn't come into subjugation to his sin. And that is a huge thing because I think sometimes on the, again, when we're trying to unpack the guardrails of some of these things, what is biblical submission, what what is it not? On this one side, we're never supposed to give our authority in the name of obeying God. We shouldn't disobey God. Right. <laughs> you know, if you think about it, like, yeah, that's a good principle oh, I, right there. I'm going to obey God and submit to my husband, so I'm going to do this sin. So watch
1: pornography with him. Yeah. You're yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. like,
2: um, sorry. <laughs> wait, wait, yeah. wait. You're obeying God by disobeying him? <laughs> Time out. You know, and it sounds mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous, but it can happen. So we're, there's one mediator between God and man, and it's Jesus. So even in respecting the authority structures we have, we have to realize that Christ's authority always trumps Mm -hmm. human authority. Um, And so she uses her voice and makes a choice, and she goes and meets David with all this food, all this wine. And no
1: Costco. I I, I, I marvel yeah. at this woman. Yeah. She just she got that food together that so quick. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. And she had servants for hundreds of pe- hundreds of hungry men.
1: Yeah. I know. God yes. bless her. I know.
2: <laughs> so she shows up with the uh, wine and food brigade. Yeah. Yeah. And then she admits the offense. She doesn't mm-hmm. sugarcoat it or anything. And I love her appeal and just there's a lot in there but just in a quick summary is she reminds David of his past. You know, God's faithfulness. He's the giant slayer, right? He's the anointed one. Mm-hmm. And then she points to his future. You know, God has anointed you. You're going to be the king to protect his present mm-hmm. and say, don't,
1: don't, don't do not mess it up here. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: trust God. If you've trusted him in the past and you're trusting him with the future, trust him in the present. Mm-hmm. Let God deal with this. And David is so grateful. And he says that God sent her, mm-hmm. and he is won over by yeah. her
0: wisdom. Yeah, doesn't he
2: Doesn't he marry her? He does. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Right, yeah. So, hello. Nabal yeah. met a untimely death. Yeah, so yeah, yeah let's yeah. go for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, short time after this. Yeah. And David said, you know, the Lord has inflicted the justice. He yeah. didn't have yeah. to take justice into his own hands. Yeah. And you know, God always does a better job with justice than we do. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. And one of the beautiful things there, I'm like, you know, Abigail won his respect Mm -hmm. first, but then she won his heart. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think he saw in Abigail a woman who was courageous enough to speak up, to speak the truth and love. I mean, he's like, I need somebody to be an honest, wholesome, righteous advisor Mm -hmm. in my life. So, you know, also godly submission isn't, just being a yes woman, yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yes, yeah. yes, you know, that's not what it means. It's that face-to-face, you know, sharpening, pointing one another to God, to his truth, to faith, to righteousness, mm-hmm. and she uses her influence in a beautiful way, and David's like, I need more of that. Yeah, exactly,
1: <laughs> exactly, and yeah. to have, that's really She's a great definition of a helpmate. Think yes. of what she must have helped him in in the rest of his life here. Yeah. and his journey. So she is an amazing character.
2: Yeah, she served God's
0: purposes. Yeah. Yeah. in david's life yeah oh, i i love her story so i'm i'm excited to read that now you've in the just book. said you've just said she's now
1: she's your favorite i keep changing too i keep changing too
0: i yeah i i change every podcast episode i say the same thing I'm like this is my favorite episode I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah. yeah. was really. <laughs> um okay so you've already started to talk to us about bathsheba but um Bathsheba has some warnings for us. What are they? And you named this chapter Seduce and Reduce. Why did you name it that? That is an yeah. interesting name to me. I know. A lot
2: of people have been intrigued I by I like that. it. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we see Bathsheba. She's good with the enunciation, yeah, with the, you is. know,
1: alliteration in the words, isn't oh, she? Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. So, so, you know, she's lonely, you know, her husband, all the men are gone, and she ends up bathing naked on a rooftop. And David sees her when he's out walking one night that he can't sleep. And, you know, I was sitting there in my backyard because, I'm you know, I'm writing this, and I'm trying to look up and think, there's the rooftop, here I am, what's going on? And it dawned on me, this is like my big, one of my big ah ahas, and maybe (laughs) it's everyone else is like, of course, Julie, that was simple. But, you know, we always talk about David saw her, and she's close enough that, you know, the fire of desire is lit and he's like mm-hmm. who's that you yeah. know and but if david could see her she could see him yeah she knew what she was doing
1: yeah you know, and I and the thought. the height the castle mm-hmm. was the highest you know hit point in the and city and so he was looking down on her Yeah, but Mm -hmm. if he could
2: see her close enough to be interested, she was sitting there and could see him walking. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I lived in Europe a few Mm -hmm. years ago, and I started to understand this dynamic of a castle in the city. We lived in a downtown city, and, you know, everything is stacked up. You are very aware that, I mean, sometimes your window is (laughs) from me to you. And so, you know, you don't just get dressed or come out of the shower right there. Mm -hmm. You make sure you're... Blinds are closed and everything else because you're in these really close, intimate quarters. Mm-hmm. And so we see, you know, we don't always necessarily know her motive, although what she teaches her son Solomon later is very telling. Yes, that's true. You know, true. she teaches mm-hmm. Solomon, do not stray from the teaching of your mother and father. Watch out for the wayward women, woman, yes. mm-hmm. the seductress. Mm-hmm. And she warns him with the biggest warning against adultery in the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know, and we just saw Abigail when David is coming, same David (laughs) years before, you know, kind of on the war path, and she risks everything to intervene and intercede and stop him. Well, when the soldiers or a servant comes to get Abigail, she doesn't even ask them what it's about. There's no there's no dialogue at all. No, and she gets into David's quarters and there's no, oh David, don't do this, you're the king. Don't do this ungodly thing. (laughs) There's no protest. There's no resistance. And furthermore, you know, the Bible isn't shy about calling rape, rape, or even incest or all the other things. The Bible doesn't shy away from this. And the Bible calls it adultery. David repents of it as adultery. Nathan the prophet confronts it as adultery. God judges it as adultery. And Abigail herself teaches her son based on it as adultery. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there was intentionality in that. And we see, as I was looking at that, I thought, what are the rooftops of today?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: How do we still solicit attention, mm-hmm. particularly sexual attention that right. is not ours to have? Mm-hmm. Or maybe that's supposed to belong to somebody else. So there was this idea that I started um, unpacking about stealing attention stealing affection. And as women, we need to learn to steward our sexuality in a way that respects men, in a way that respects marriage, in a way that actually respects ourselves.
1: What well, You said reduce. You said when a woman oh. is, you know, what, how our seduction... Reduces a man. You said it so much better than I can say it <laughs> yeah, back to so, you. Why don't you okay, sh- go, yeah, go with so that point for a minute? Reduces
2: to reduce. I mean, yes. we reduce ourselves to True. being sexual objects. But, you know, when we have seduction based sexuality or adultery in these cases, um, the Bible talks about the prostitute reduces you to a loaf of bread. We use one another. And right now we see a ton of using each other. But in the very uh, particular idea of reducing the man, often the dynamic when we, you know, you see this in affairs often, you're drawn to the integrity of this man. He's so wonderful. He's a wonderful husband. He's a wonderful father. He, You know, whatever. And then if there's a seduction that happens that leads him out of that into an adulterous affair, the very nature of doing that, you have destroyed the thing you were attracted to. Mm-hmm. You destroy the integrity. He's no longer the great husband, the great father. And with Bathsheba and David, you know, Bathsheba was probably her childhood hero, her father's friend. Yeah, He's that was so insightful. You you know? I didn't
1: realize that Bathsheba's father was one of David's special yeah, men that yeah. he names as She's a great man. Up, yeah, her,
2: her family serving him her whole life, and you know. By having this affair, he went from being, you know, the worshipping warrior king, and all of a sudden now he's the lying murderer mm-hmm. <laughs> laying next to
1: her. And the trouble in his home after this.
2: Yeah, yeah. So she destroyed the very thing that she wanted to possess. Mm.
1: Wow. In that isn't that isn't that good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that when we do tempt men, we are reducing them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh, that's a, that's a shocker. Yeah. Got to read this book, ladies. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. we we want to be really mindful of your time. Um, I mean, there's so much in this that we could have you on 10 times to go through this. So thank yeah. you. Like this, I, I'm going to have to listen to this over again and take some notes because wow, there's so much truth in this. But
2: will you tell us where we can buy your book, Oh, please? sure. Yeah, so Tristan Publishing published the book. You can go there or just on Amazon. Oh, it's on Amazon. I overnighted it and got
1: it right away. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah.
2: And on my website, um, Live Loved or just org, Bible Studies, I have videos on this. I have uh, some radio programs. If you want to spend an entire radio program on just one woman. Mm-hmm. Those are airing right now and then they'll be available on my website in and a couple weeks. And we'll link this on our Instagram so that you guys can find her
0: really easily. Um, because yeah, so does the teaching, so, so you did teaching for each chapter, right? Yes. Oh, with the book. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you get with the book? Like, do you, or do you purchase that extra or is it just, is it free or you how does that work? You go on my website and, and get you can it.
2: purchase them awesome. kind of a la carte or as right. a package. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah.
0: that's, I have done that for other studies and it's really helpful to get like a little more insight. And it's always nice to hear the author saying it and explaining it, yeah. um, just gives an extra level of depth. But, um, just as we're wrapping up here, what can you just give us like a final thought. We always like to mm-hmm. end our episodes with like a challenge or an encouragement. Um, and I know in your book, you concluded with who, who God says that we are. Can you just give us like a final word on um, who God has made us to be?
2: Yeah. So mm-hmm. the idea of living loved and the great exchange that happens when we let God live it, love us, he loves us to fullness and to wholeness. And when we, stand in that place, now I can enter relationships with other people full Mm. with something to give instead of empty, like I'm begging for love. Will you please like me? Will you please accept me? And it's this great exchange when we live loved. I am already loved. Mm. And God is pouring that into me. And so I can enter relationships and pour it out to you. Mm. And I don't have to worry about pouring out too much. Because God, there's an endless supply. Mm-hmm. He's refilling me all the time. So it's this idea that we can live and love from wholeness. And that changes. I can li- That means living from security mm-hmm. instead of insecurity.
1: That's huge, right? You huge. Know? E- huge. Even, yeah. you know, for a woman of any age and any life circumstance, we need to have that base of God's love. And we need to live yeah. from that base of being loved. Yeah, and if we don't, it's out of need, and then we get needy, and we make wrong decisions.
2: Yep. Or we live for other people's approval, mm-hmm. and we live on the roller coaster. Of that, and this just stabilizes us. Yeah, I'm like, I get to be stable. That's a great word. <laughs> I get to be emotionally we're stable. stable. <laughs> what a gift! <laughs> and then I can be generous with my love and relationships, and then I can also live in a greater place of gratitude and contentment. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. There was just so much truth um, in this, and I am really, really excited to read your book. I might need to go right now, actually, oh. after we're done, <laughs> and just start flipping through. Because told you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Well, we love you. We love your ministry. And we just want you to know that we are just so thankful that you came on the show today. It's so great to see you. you Um, So thank you for coming on. And sisters, you can join us in two Mondays for another episode of She's Becoming.